What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets Podcast. So, before we get into everything, just going to start it off how we normally start it off. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes. You can look up Hoop-Ball or Hoop-Ball Nets, whichever one you want. You can also look up Brooklyn Nets and we'll come up. Uh, Make sure to leave us five stars and a nice little review. We're reading all reviews on the podcast. So, if you want to get your review read, make sure to uh, leave one for us. This episode, we're going to be going over the Nets' last three games. All three were losses. At the, there would normally be a Brooklyn Baller of the Week, but as we said last episode, if the Nets do have a week where they lose all games in that specific week, then we don't think they deserve a Brooklyn Baller of the Week. It's crazy It's crazy that we predicted it last episode, like saying that that would eventually happen and it happened, but they just happened to lose all three. In fact, they're on a six-game losing streak and are now the 11th seed in the East. The six straight losses is tied for the longest losing streak in the league with the Chicago Bulls. Why are the Nets losing, you ask? We're going to get into that later after we recap all the games. So, starting with the first game, they lost 101-91 to to the Jazz at home and went 0-3 on their four-game homestand. Uh, they got outscored 31-13 to in the fourth quarter, and they just weren't able to come back from it after that. They lost the turnovers 19-20, to and for some reason, don't know exactly why, the Nets average more turnovers at home than they do on the road. At home, they average the sixth most turnovers in the league with 15.8, while on the road, they, they average the 11th least turnovers in the league at 14. They lost their closer, Karis LeVert. And now they can't score in the fourth quarter. 13 points in the fourth quarter to a struggling Jazz team after they were winning by eight to start the quarter. So, they should have won the game. No one can make a bucket. Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russoff are failing to do their job. <laughs> and I feel like it's not fair to just place all the, the blame on them, though. Yes, but right now they're the best players on the team. Best True. players are supposed to be able to close the game. Jared Allen is also gravely underperforming right now, and he should pick it up, being that he should have the ball in his hands a lot. And he's not taking a lot of shots either. He's been efficient, but they're not giving him the ball in the right spots. But, he's also not playing a ton of minutes. Yeah. D'Angelo Russell, the leash is basically gone. Yeah, he played 35 minutes in their most recent loss. But he's also playing horrible basketball, so... It, it's not like it matters whether there is a leash or not. He's just not good. Nets and the Jazz tied when it came to rebounds. They both had 48, but they did out offensive rebound him 14 to 8. They yet again allowed their opponent to shoot above 47% from the field, and they're allowing their opponents to shoot the 10th highest field goal percentage in the league at 46.7. Uh, the Jazz shot 32.1% from the three point line, while the Nets shot 34.9% from the field and 36.7% from the three-point line, which is horrible considering the Jazz aren't some lockdown team. They're allowing their opponents to shoot the fourth-highest field goal percentage in the league Although at they were last year, this year they're just having a down start. But the Nets' defense, so their guard defense was already weak, and then you lose the one better of the three defenders in Karis LeVert. So, by three, I'm talking about D'Lo and Dinwiddie as the other two. We know Alan Crabb and Damari Carroll are capable defenders. 
but they also are just playing terrible basketball as well right now. Karis Levert going down ruined their season. That's the bottom line. I'm going to say it every single game because that's the truth. Until they get him back, they're not going to win more than three games consecutively. I'm, I'm telling you that now. On to the box score. Donovan Mitchell returned from a two-game absence and absolutely destroyed the Nets. He scored 12 points in the final six minutes of the game to put the Nets away. The Nets, as we said before, scored 12 in the entire 12-minute fourth quarter. So Mitchell... One man scored one less point than the entire Nets team in half the time. The, on to the box scores. Donovan Mitchell returned from a two-game absence and uh, completely demolished the Nets. Uh, the, he scored 12 points in the final six minutes of the game to put the Nets away. The Nets scored 13 points in the entire 12-minute quarter. So Mitchell, as one man, scored one less point than the entire Nets team did in half the time, which just can't happen if you want to win a game. I mean... They did hold him to 50% shooting, and he took 24 shots. So it's not like they played terrible defense on him. It, they just crumbled at the end of the game. They played great defense on him until those 12 points. True. He had, on the game, he had 29 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, and 4 steals on 12 of 24 shooting. They The Nets actually played good defense. Credit to whoever guarded Ricky Rubio. <laughs> if it was D'Angelo Russell, I'll still give him credit. Because he was 0 of 9 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. Dante Exum was over 2, too. For 6 points six with 3 rebounds and 4 assists. So it was a bad game for Ricky Rubio. His points came off of free throws only. He did not make one single shot. Uh, like I was saying, the Nets do play good. Like They do guard their opponents well from the 3-point line. So they they only gave up two of eight shooting to Donovan Mitchell from behind the arc. Uh, Rudy Gobert absolutely destroyed the Nets. Twenty three points, sixteen rebounds, four blocks, a steal, three assists on ten of fourteen shooting. And I watched the end of this game, and I saw that Royce O'Neal was playing over Jay Crowder and Derek Favors. You would think he played twenty nine minutes. You would think that is not a big move. However. He was 3 of 3 from 3, and two of those threes came in the last minutes of the game with terrible defense leaving him wide open. So if you are going to let Royce O'Neal beat you, you deserve to lose. Other than that, they didn't really give up many points to... Raul Neto also yeah. killed them. <laughs> Raul 11 Neto. points in 15 minutes. He was 4 of 8 from the field, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. So they really gave up. 29 to Donovan Mitchell, 23 to Rudy Gobert. And then no one else in their starting lineup really had more than 10. And then Raul Neto and Royce O'Neal off the bench had 13 and 11. So the Nets did a good job on their starting lineup with the exception of their two best players, basically. All right. So time to do what I do best. Talk about D'Angelo Russell's stat line. This is a bad one. So you mean to tell me... I can't even defend it. That you... Score 14 points in 35 minutes. All right. If you score 14 and you add five rebounds and seven assists with three steals, you would think, oh, it's an okay stat line. It's not when you shoot six of 25 from the field. Six of 25. So at the end of this game, every shot he put up missed. He couldn't hit anything. 
there the closer that he's supposed to be right now was just it was terrible. It was it was ugly to see. Six of twenty five. That's twenty four percent from the field. He was two of six from three. He turned the ball over four times, most on the squad. And he had a minus thirteen plus minus. Second I can't even. I can't even. Def- I would just like to say that Spencer Dinwiddie had the highest plus. He had lowest the lowest plus, plus minus, minus with negative fifteen. So at least D'Lo was better than Spencer Dinwiddie however, in some sense. However, I will tell you that Spencer Dinwiddie kept them alive when it looked like the momentum was going the Jazz's way, because he scored eighteen points in his twenty-one minutes on forty-five percent shooting, five of eleven from the field. And he added three rebounds and two blocks. So, I mean, it was an okay game in the time that he played. But he also did foul out in 21 minutes. So That's crazy. So, that didn't really help at all. And then Shabazz Napier played well in his time. 10 points, 16 minutes, two steals, a block. A plus five, plus minus, which happens to be the highest on the team in his 16 minutes. Yeah, Shabazz Napier has been getting more minutes, and we'll get into that later. But if if you didn't uh, get the note from me and Hunter's rant, D'Angelo Russell had 14 points in 35 minutes, 6 of 25 from the field. He was 2 of 6 from 3, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 turnovers, 3 steals. Spencer Dinwiddie, 18 points in 21 minutes, fouled out in those 21 minutes, which is incredibly Jared Allen bad. double-doubled, and so did Rondé Hollis. Similar stat lines. Yeah, Rondé Alice Jefferson had a season-high 11 rebounds, 28 minutes, 14 points, 6 of 13 from the field, 3 turnovers, an assist, and a steal. Joe Harris, old reliable, played 29 minutes, only had 8 points, only took 4 shots, both of them were 3s. I mean, all of them were threes. He only hit two of them. He got three steals and no turnovers, so... He also had two rebounds and two assists. And then, uh, yeah, Jared Allen had 14 and 10. He He shot well from the free throw line, kind of. 8 of 11 from the free throw line. He had an (coughs) assist and a turnover. He didn't have any blocks, but... Allen Crabb, once again, terrible. Nine points, three of 10 shooting. But, yeah. The Nets have lost... Basically every game that uh, Rondé Alice Jefferson has started to play big minutes. So that makes me ask you: Should maybe, maybe, maybe Kenny Atkinson was right to play Jared Dudley? Because they were winning when Jared Dudley was playing big minutes. All right. So let me tell you exactly why that is the most ridiculous <laughs> question I've ever heard in my life. So Jared Dudley, eighteen minutes, zero points in this one with. A turnover, a steal, and a rebound on 0 of 2 shooting in the box score contributed nothing but a minus 1 in the plus minus in his 18 minutes of action. And you think this guy contributing Maybe nothing, it just did something nothing, for a team morale. Nothing. He's still on the court. He's still on the court, which is already a travesty because I believe... Kenneth Fareed is better equipped to see the court than this guy at this point. I think Rodion's Karooks should be playing more than Jared Dudley. I believe Big Sauce Allen Williams <laughs> should get activated to play before this guy keeps seeing the court. I really do not understand how anyone at this point could believe that Dudley even deserves a roster spot in this league. He does nothing. He contributes nothing except veteran presence. If you need veteran presence... Get somebody who can put up four points and two rebounds at the very least. Bring Paul Pierce or Kevin Garnett out of retirement to play more 
efficient basketball than Dudley's playing right now. Is yeah, that no, wasn't the greatest. That wasn't no. the greatest question I've ever asked you. But on to the most exciting of the games we're going to talk about: a very controversial loss in double OT to the Memphis Grizzlies, one thirty-one to one twenty-five, to finish out the four-game homestand with four <coughs> straight losses. The Nets. Okay, so the Nets actually should have won this game, and they basically got screwed by the refs. The However, NBA, they deserve to lose. So I'm happy they did lose because when you're up by seven points with 22 seconds and you even find a way to get close to losing, you deserve nothing. You deserve absolutely okay, nothing. Okay, but they did, in retrospect, get kind of messed up by the refs. The NBA releases the last two-minute report, as everyone knows, basically goes over all the calls that were controversial and tells, the, tells everyone that reads it whether or not they were right. So it revealed that the four-point play that Jaron Jackson Jr. had with 26.8 seconds in the fourth should have been wiped out by an offensive foul. So that's four points right there that the Grizzlies shouldn't have had. And then after he hit that four-point play... Well, he... Okay, so they say it's an offensive foul. I believe the best that could have happened was a no-call. Which, they still would have won the game at that point. However... Yeah, but this is just saying if the game was ref perfectly. Which we know okay. no game is, but... But letting Jaron Jackson score 7 points by himself in 22 Letting Jaron Jackson score 36 or whatever he had. What did he have? 36. 36, had 36. yeah. And Mike Conley had 37. So... It's not like you were playing Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, where that would be an acceptable stat line. You're playing defensive-minded Mike Conley and defensive-minded Jaron Jackson and allow them to score 35-plus points each. You deserve to lose. I, I'm happy they lost. That, that's a wake-up call, although they continue to lose as they lost the next game after that, too. After after he hit the four-point play, the Nets then turned it over off an inbounds play that Kenny Atkinson said was his fault with 23 seconds left, and Jaron Jackson hit another triple from 30 feet to send the game into overtime. However, the last two-minute report revealed that that inbound steal that the Nets gave up should have been called for a foul. The Grizzlies should have got called for a foul on the inbound steal, so they should have never gotten the ball back for Jaron Jackson to hit the three. Either way, the Nets ended up losing, so we still got to talk about it. They won turnover 16-17 to and one rebound 51-45. to They finally shot over 40% from the field for like the first time in three games. They shot 44.7% from the field and 36.4% from the three-point line. And they they let the Grizzlies shoot better from the field and three. Yet again, almost 50%, 49.5% from the field and 40% from the three-point line. Mike Conley single-handedly destroyed the Nets in the second overtime. He scored 13 of the Grizzlies' 14 points in the second overtime, and the Nets only had eight. The entire game, he had 37 points, 10 assists, and 5 rebounds. He also went 2 of 7 from the three-point line, so the Nets guarded him well from there. That's about the only place they guarded him well from on the floor. He went 9 of 9 from the free-throw line. Uh, he, he, okay, had, so, he played 45 minutes, so dropped 37 this points. This is an example of a stat line where if you put up 25 shots, you should be able to have a stat line like this. But D'Angelo Russell last game took 25 shots and got 14 points compared to Mike Conley's 37 on the same amount of shots. 
it shows the type of player that D'Angelo Russell is. To okay, me. he's been in the league three years. Okay, but my issue is he has consistently taken more shots than he scores points. <laughs> and that is an that is an issue. He'll come around. There I firmly believe that D'Angelo season, Russell will come around. There are more games this season where he took more shots than he scored points. That's that's not an ideal situation for anybody. I, I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just saying I don't think all hope is lost. On the season, he's taken 16 and a half shots per game, and he averages 17.5. <laughs> So, I mean, at least he's averaging more than he shoots, but barely, and that that is an issue. That is a big issue. If you're putting up 16 and a half shots a game, I, I believe you should score 20 points. I agree. Game. I completely agree. He's been off this, I don't want to say the entire season, but this is this is best season statistic-wise, but it's still probably his most disappointing season based on like the opportunity that he's had in the storyline coming into the season. Back to the game, Jaron Jackson became the third youngest in league history to have a 30-point game behind LeBron and KD, and the, it was the most by a rookie this year. He and Conley combined for 73 of the Grizzlies' 131 points. On the entire game, he had 36 points of 13 of 22 shooting, hit three triples on the seven he attempted. And two of them were, two of them were in the last second yeah. of the game. And then uh, he had eight rebounds, two assists, and one turnover. He had no blocks, no steals. And, and he had a team high plus 13. Yeah, he was basically the Grizzlies' best player this game, either him or Mike Conley. But uh, he had no blocks and no steals, and he's usually known as a defensive player. Yeah, he's usually a defensive player, so for the Nets to allow him to score 36 points in 43 minutes is just insane. Um, Everyone else on the uh, Grizzlies team is kind of subpar other than Marc Gasol. Well, Marc Gasol, I'll say, was really good because of his defense. He had 15 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 defensive stats, 2 steals, and 3 blocks. So, it was an all-around good game from him. 46 minutes from Marc Gasol. On to the Nets. Allen Crabb, uh, 23 minutes, 9 points, 3 of 8 shooting, 3 of 6. All, all, every point he took came from the 3-point line. He had 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Rondé House Jefferson, 38 minutes. 15 points, uh, only three rebounds, one assist, and uh, that's about it for him. On six of 11 shooting, he attempted a shot from the three-point line, bricked it as we would have expected. Jared Allen, 38 minutes, 15 points on a perfect five of five from the field, 12 rebounds, five assists, and stealing a block. A great game for Jared Allen. He has to work on the fouls. He also gave up 15 and 15 to Mark Gasol, so that's not the best, but he matched it with 15 and 12. Must I say D'Angelo Russell's statistic in this game? Would you would you kindly look at the box score and see what happened in this game, too? <laughs> I'll get to that. Spencer Dinwiddie, 15 points, 42 minutes, 5 of 14 from the field. Five assists, two and a rebounds. Team low minus 16. He okay. has not played well either. He's kind of been disappointing, too. Now we're on to D'Angelo Russell. Team high, 40, 45 minutes, 26 points, 10 of 27 from the field. Oh, wow. More shots than points. He was uh, 5 of 14 one. from the three-point line. Only he added, person he on had the team. eight turnovers. He was the only person on the team besides Jared Dudley, the worst player to ever step foot on an NBA court, to have more shots than points. Everyone else that played had more points than shots. It's I'm, only him. 
Just seeing this now, D'Lo had eight turnovers. He almost had a triple-double with assists and turnovers. He had eight assists, eight turnovers, one rebound. That just can't happen. I mean, and I know Mike Conley's known for his defense, but, like, in a game as tight as this one, you can't have eight turnovers. What also can't happen is him going 5 of 14 from three and Spencer Dinwiddie going 5 of 14 from the field. How are you going to take as many threes as Spencer Dinwiddie takes shots? I know Hunter's happy about this one. Shabazz Napier, 24 minutes, 18 points, 4 of 14 from the field, 8 of 8 from the line. And second on the team with a plus 5. 6 rebounds and 2 assists. He played 24 minutes because Joe Harris missed this game with a uh, tightness in his left adductor. He missed the next game too. And Damari Carroll also saw an increased role, 38 minutes. He actually played down the stretch over Alan Crabb. Good decision in my opinion. I mean, yeah, he had 21 and 12 on 7 of 10 shooting, hit four triples. He had an amazing game. It is game. possible that he needed increased minutes to gain confidence, being that he came back into a bench role that he's not used to. Yeah, this is his best game of the season by far. And uh, would you like to move to Jared Dudley's line? The same line <laughs> as last game. Go ahead, Literally. Go ahead, tell him. Literally tell the same line. He played one more minute in this game. Increased to 19 minutes and had zero points on 0 of 2 shooting again, 0 of 2 from 3 again, and all he managed to add was two rebounds, one assist, and one steal with four fouls. Yeah, that, I, there's nothing I can even say. Jared Dudley's horrible. There's, there's no excuse. This game had a bunch of close calls. Dinwiddie went for a game-winning floater. got blocked by Mike Conley. D'Lo gave the Nets a 125-124 lead in the second overtime. But once again, Mike Conley took over after that. And they just couldn't rebound. And they honestly just lost the game because of the refs and because they just couldn't close it out. Opinion. Karis LeVert's there to play the Jazz. They win. Karis LeVert's here to play the Grizzlies. They win. I agree with the Grizzlies, definitely. The Jazz. They were not know. giving up a, an eight-point lead to start the fourth of Karis. I don't play. know about the Jazz. He would have guarded Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell would have lit him up. Not as Easily much as, not as, much as he up. did. Donovan Mitchell is one. Not as much as he did. He had to... He had 29. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell would have let him up regardless, in my opinion. I don't know if there's anything Karis LeVert could have done to stop them losing well, the I Jazz just, game. I don't think he would have given up. Well, I also don't think they would have only scored 13 points in the entire fourth had he been playing, being that he's been their best closer. True. True, yeah, he probably would have been able to to not match Donovan Mitchell, but, like, do a better job keeping up with him than do clearly D'Lo or Dinwiddie did. Yeah, like, maybe, but I'd say they definitely would have won the Grizzlies game. The Jazz, 50-50. On to their I'd most. i say they'd still be a playoff team if Lovert was here. Oh, yeah, definitely. When you lose your best score, best player, then you're obviously going to sink in the standings. On to their probably the worst loss of the season. No, I don't know about worst loss. Worst Top. loss of the season. Yeah. They lost to the Wizards 102 to 88. Complete shambles. This game, we're recording this podcast just after this game ended. They lost 102 to 88 to the Wizards on the road. The 88 points was the Nets' lowest points total of the season. They lost a turnover battle 17 to 13. The turnovers are back, and it's frustrating because they look good for so long. Lavert goes down, and now they do not know how to take care of the ball again. So, the argument that we had before the season that I, I always said. I believe Karis LeVert, as experience came with minutes, he'd be the best of the three ball handlers. He was. 
And now that he's gone, the two ball handlers have the ball in their hand more, and the turnovers go back up. I mean, D'Lo had eight last game, so we see you're right in that aspect. As when Lavert had the ball, turnovers go down. Lavert doesn't have the ball, turnovers go up. It, it's simple. So many things he impacts. Defense changes, offense changes, everything. He that yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like when a team loses their best, like imagine this. No, I can't use the Celtics. Imagine the Rockets lost Harden. Even with Chris Paul, like their whole offense would change, their whole team dynamic would change. I would say, imagine the Bucks lost Giannis. Yeah, I mean Giannis is far better, obviously, than Karis Levert. But I, just like the 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 concept of losing your best player, like the the person you run everything through. Yeah, I mean a a good example I would say on a team that is close to them is if the Kings lost De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. He's he's a good defensive player. He's been running the offense. He's he's been pretty good with the turnovers, and he goes down, and they would have nothing. It, it it's like a shock for the entire team because you have to change up your whole scheme. They would have to start Frank Mason or Yogi Ferrell, and it would change everything for them. Yeah, it would change everything. Plus, the the Nets didn't have Joe Harris in either of these last two games, and now Joe Harris is no Karis LeVert, but like he's been. We, he's old reliable. He impacts the game. In a number of ways. But yeah, they lost the turnover battle 17 to 13. They won rebounds 42 to 38 and won offensive rebounds 11 to 2. Yeah, still got blown the out. The shooting was just so horrific that they couldn't come back from it. They shot 37.1% from the field, 24.2% from behind the arc, and they yet again allowed an opponent to shoot above 50%. Wizards shot 51.9% from the field, 30.8% from the three-point line. They went on an 11-0 run to start the second half and sealed the game with a 12-0 run in the fourth quarter, and the Nets just couldn't stop them. When you allow a team to go on so many runs, especially like long runs, then then you have no chance of coming back because it's not a back-and-forth game. They're just destroying you over and over and over and over and over again. On to the box score. They literally got beat by three people. Uh, Bradley Beal, John Wall, and Markeith Morris combined for 72 of the Wizards' 102 points. So, the Wizards are obviously in shambles. They've been mixing the lineups up. Don't have anything consistent. Their starting center is Thomas Bryant. They started, old Laker. They started Thomas Sadoransky in this game. Instead of starting Oubre, they've moved Morris to the bench. However, they've been on fire for no reason. They've been playing great basketball, despite all of these trade rumors, all of these heated practices, this controversial news that comes out, and they're still playing well. So, a terrible start to the season has now turned around. It will be interesting to see if the Wizards are still willing to trade anybody. Yeah, uh, I... um... I don't know. I'd say that this is also boosting their trade value, so they might. But I'd still say they're willing to trade John Wall. Maybe not Bradley I Beal. believe out of everyone on the team, Markeith Morris's trade stock has actually gone up the most, being that he's been quiet in, it, like, in terms of making controversy in his bench role. They moved him to six-man, and he has been playing amazing. And he hasn't complained about being on the bench at all. So a team that is lacking depth can look at this and look at someone like Marquis Morris who can score well, defend well, 
and pick him up for their bench, their sixth or seventh man, and he could be a game changer for a playoff team this year. Speaking of Marquise Morris, in 28 minutes, he had 20 points on 9 of 12 shooting. He was 2 for 4 from the three-point line. He had seven rebounds, two assists, and uh, three steals, and two blocks. He had five defensive stats, 20 points, seven rebounds. He had an amazing game. John Wall in 36 minutes. 30 points, 12 of 24 from the field. He hit three triples out of the six he attempted. He had five rebounds and nine assists. The regular John Wall stat line. The three three pointers are interesting, but I don't expect him to keep doing that. Bradley Beal, 22 points, team high, 42 minutes, eight of 17 from the field. He was actually 0 of three from the three point line, and the Nets still got blown out. And uh, he had three rebounds, no assists, and a block. On to the Nets. Allen Crabb, 14 points. He was 5 of 10 from the field, 50% from the field, basically. So he shot well. He had two rebounds and two steals and not much else. Ronda Hallis Jefferson, 28 minutes. He's finally starting to get the big minutes. 11 points, 3 of 10 from the field, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds and a steal. He didn't have the best game. 3 of 10 from the field is actually pretty pretty bad. Jared Allen, only 25 minutes, six points on three or four shooting, eight rebounds. He had five five turnovers. Like I said, he's just not getting enough shots up. He's, okay, as much as I love Shabazz Napier, the fact that he took three more shots than anyone else on the team is a problem with the offense in this game. True. Spencer Dinwiddie, eight points, three of nine shooting. All of three from the three-point line, eight assists, two rebounds, three turnovers. D'Angelo Russell, only 25 minutes after playing 35 and 45 in his last two. And a team low minus 20 in this one. Jeez. Eight points on three of eight. He he was eight points, eight shots, one of five from the three-point wow, line. Two Good rebounds, game. seven assists, only two turnovers. An interesting stat in this game. Uh, he only attempted eight shots after attempting 70 over their last three games, which is crazy to me. All right, so Shabazz Napier shot terribly in this game. Two of 13, 15%, and one of seven from three, 14%. He did add four defensive stats, three steals, a block, two rebounds, three assists, and he had a minus three plus minus, which out of... Anyone that played more than 10 minutes besides Rodion's Karooks, that's the highest. So despite the bad shooting, he still had a decent game. All right. I believe his minutes should remain around 20 to 25. Even when Joe Harris comes back? Absolutely. So who should the minutes be taken away from? Because Damari uh, Carroll had are, 20. You already know who the minutes should be taken away from. Oh, yeah. Jared Dudley had 16. Yep. I'm okay with three-point guard sets if you make Jared Dudley sit on the bench all night long. We had a Kenneth Fareed sighting. He, I mean, the Nets were getting blown out, so he played four minutes, four points. Two of two from the field. What can go one wrong? One rebound. He already had a better game than Jared Dudley, and he played four minutes. That's true. That's completely true. Like we said, there's going to be no Brooklyn Baller of the Week because they haven't won in almost two weeks. They don't deserve it. And then why are the Nets losing? We've really tried to sit down and think about it and look at their stats over the past six games. And we've boiled, we, we've like bought it down to defense. They haven't held the team to below 47% field goal shooting in all six games they've lost. They've also been having trouble defending teams in the paint. They've been giving up 58.7 points in the paint over their last three, which is the most in the entire NBA. So I guess that falls on Jared Allen and Ronda Hollis-Jefferson. Okay, so 
I'll tell you all the reasons why the Nets are losing. Defense. Offense. Turnovers. Rebounding? Effort, no, not rebounding. They've been good on rebounds. Effort. Coaching. Rotations. So basically everything. I do not see one thing that you can say, wow, they're doing that right. Except rebounding. The, except their city uniforms. That's the <laughs> one thing that they're doing right right now. <laughs> I their effort is is well below par as they cannot finish a single game and it looks like every team wants to get that win more than them. That's true. And then it also boils down to Karis LeVert not being with them anymore, which we just talked about. They've and he he was their leading scorer through the first 14 games of the season and since losing him they've lost 8 of 10 games. So it it's it's really hard for a team to compensate for losing their best player, especially one that they didn't like he he, there was no indication that he was injured. It just happened, and then they just had to move on. All right, so they play the Cavs next on Monday night to begin their three-game homestand. And I, my opinion, if they lose to the Cavs, their season's over. I, I agree. It couldn't. This game against if the Cavs they came the at Cavs, the perfect time. If they beat the Cavs, there's still hope. Maybe they can go on a, a little run, like. We say this because the Cavs are tied with the Suns for the worst record in the NBA. And they are clearly the worst team. They're, they're both 4-18. and 18. But the Suns have way more talent than the Cavs. The Cavs are also on a four-game losing streak. So, And the Nets are on a six-game losing streak. So combined, we got 10 L's in this game, and somebody's got to get a W. The, and the one reason... If, is it nothing else? The Nets should win this game because the Cavs are 1-10 and 10 on the road. And also, if they lose this game... They're going to lose nine straight because they're not beating the Thunder or Raptors in their next. And then two they play the that. Knicks after the after the Thunder and the Raptors. So they very the Knicks aren't anything special, but they but just the beat Knicks, the Bucks. But the Knicks so, also do beat the Nets the, almost every time. The, they play. the Knicks got some hustle, some fight. So I'll say there's about a sixty five percent chance that the Nets losing streak goes to ten games. And the fact that it's sixty five percent is horrible. <laughs> they have okay. I think they will beat the Cavs. If they do, if they lose to the Cavs, it's going to ten games. There's no way they they can beat the Thunder or Raptors. They're going to get smoked by both of them. Yeah, the the Thunder are the third team in the West. Even though the West is extremely tight, and the Raptors the, are the best team in the NBA. Yeah, the the West is extremely tight, so the standings change every day, basically. But still, the third team in the West are fourteen and seven. The Raptors are the first team in the East, like Hunter just said. They're twenty and four. They just beat the Warriors. They're on an eight game win streak. However. There, there's no way that they're beating the Raptors. Not not a chance. But if they're going to beat the Thunder, at least they have the advantage of them being at home because the Thunder are 5-4 and four on the road. In my opinion, Russell Westbrook will have 35-plus points and a triple-double. Probably. D'Angelo Russell cannot guard him. There is absolutely no chance. He probably will, to be honest. If I had to predict their... I'm saying they beat the Cavs. Please, Lord, let them beat the Cavs. Lose to the Thunder Lose and to the Raptors. Thunder, lose to the Raptors, and lose to the Knicks. I say they're 1-3 yeah. in their last four. Which, that would honestly make the playoffs out of reach at this point. They, they're not going to be able to do it. They, but it's because they lost Kyrie Okay, LeVert. but opinion or thought. Do you think they should try and revive the season with a trade? Or I'm saying it tank it. Let's get a top 10 pick. Why not? What do you got to lose at this point? I mean, what if they can revive the season and make For the what? playoffs? We're not, they're not winning the but, championship. But what if, they, what if they can get Otto Porter and then we, use him as a free agency get? 
I mean, it, it's tough because if you tank the season, then it looks bad for free agents, and you have all this money for no reason. However, but then if you tank, you can go to Tobias Harris and be like, with my eighth pick, who do you want me to draft? And if he, if you can get the person he wants, then he can come, and then it, it's good. Which is why I'm saying, let's abort mission and tank the season now. There's no purpose. Let's get a top a lottery pick, and let's get some more talent up in here. Let's get a small forward. Let's get an actual power forward of power forward size. Let's get a small forward. That's not Alan Crabb, Damari Carroll, or Joe Harris. Let's get someone of, of good, okay. a, a young, also, nice player. Also, let's make D'Angelo Russell a good basketball player if possible. Okay, true. And let's get Jared Allen for more than four shots in a single game. Maybe if he took 12 shots, he'd be able to score 20-plus points. But he takes four shots every game. And I know, I know it sounds like we don't like the Nets, but that's far from the truth. We love the Nets. We wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't, but we know they can be so much better than they are, which is why we're so hard on them. And I also believe Kenny Atkinson should lose his job so fast, but... The hot takes keep on coming. And... With with that, we're going to end the episode. Thank you guys for listening. We went pretty long this episode. I think this is our longest episode ever. We're at like 38, 37 minutes right now. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes at HoopBallNets. You can look up Hoop-Ball or HoopBall. Leave the five stars. Leave us a rating and a review. We'll make sure to read all of them on the pod. So if you want to get it read, go make sure you leave one. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. You can follow us individually. I'm at Najee Adams underscore if you don't know how to spell Najee, N-A-J-E-E. Hunter's at Hunter, Hunter? Hunter's at Hunter underscore J-K-R on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.